You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome again to Disney One by One. This week we're on episode 43. This is Treasure Planet from 2002. And remember, you can find us everywhere on the internet at Disney One X One. If you could please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would love that. We read them all. And with me today, not as always, David could not join us today. This is an unprecedented event. Last minute, David bailed. So uh, I'm bringing on a special co-host, someone you know and love, Mr. Chris Lair. Welcome back to Disney One by One. Hey, thanks for having me back again. So we will get David's thoughts on Treasure Planet either at the end of this episode, recorded later, or at the beginning of next episode. But yeah, he had a last minute engagement, so brought in the backup, brought in the pinch hitter. That's me. Chris is here and uh, joining us this week, a new special guest. I've known him since fifth grade. (gasps) Mr. Daniel Hoover, welcome to Disney One by One. Hey, glad to be here. So Daniel, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So as Mike said, we've known each other since grade school. I remember he moved back to St. Louis and sat next to me in in class and we just like hit it off because he was going to play trumpet in band and I was going to play trumpet in band. And it's like, <laughs> we're going to be best friends. And then here it is all this time later. And we went to the same high school and I was in his wedding and now I'm on his podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, the peak of everything is, is being on the podcast. It just gets better and better. So, so that would have been 98. Was that right? Does that sound Dang. right? 97. Something like, yeah, probably 97. 90, I think 97 sounds about right. Fifth grade. That's a long so. time ago. Long time ago. You guys are old. so daniel are you a big disney fan what's your what's your disney history yeah i mean definitely i feel like anybody our age is a disney fan just because they kind of grew up with it i was just thinking about this like we're kind of the first generation to have like movies on demand right vhs tapes the ability to watch them over and over and over again and i definitely had that experience as a kid i remember um well i shouldn't say i remember i've been told that like when i was two my sister was born. My parents didn't know what they were going to do with the second kid. So they, they got a TV with a built-in VHS player <laughs> and a whole slew of Disney movies. And that's that was like the start of it. So I had everything from like Dumbo and Bambi and Peter Pan, all the classics, you know, those 40s, 50s, 60s ones. Watched them a bunch as a kid, definitely. Well, and I forgot, we, we've gotten a different side of this story before because your sister Lisa was on this show. Lisa Grove was on our Cinderella episode. And I think she right. kind of told a similar a similar tale about Dumbo and the VHS player. That is correct. I, <laughs> in fact, that is the only episode of this podcast that I've listened to. Oh, <laughs> I am a terrible friend. Um, but in some sense, that means I'm unbiased and have a fresh perspective, except for that story because that was already told. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> So yeah, we had a great time watching all those Disney movies, the classics, well-loved. We have still to this day inside jokes in our family that we quote stuff from Peter Pan, uh, like three seconds, two (laughs) seconds, you know, he's counting down like the the bombs about to blow up or like when we get some like salad that's really gross, like, ah, don't eat the green stuff, you know, (laughs) eat the flour, you know, like Bambi. I don't know. Yeah. Just so many inside jokes that have stuck with our family for all these years it's it's great i know you're not a big roller coaster guy but did you ever make it to the theme parks that is a great question i actually have a fun story about that so i've been to the disneyland parks twice once when i was five and i was out in california 
I, I should say both times only to Disneyland. I've never been to Disney World. Crazy. I know. We went out to California for my uncle's wedding and this same uncle actually worked for Disney. I don't know if Lisa said this. No. She, he worked for the Disney Hotel as the food comptroller. So, he had what? like free access for us to go to Disney whenever we were out there, which was twice, but still. <laughs> hey. <laughs> it was really fun. So, my first experience at Disneyland, I was five. I clearly remember we were there at night. They did the electric light parade thing with the cheesy music. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can still hear it. Oh my gosh. There it is. And I remember we stood over by like the, I think it was the DuckTales thing. Is that, I guess that's, is that not Disney? DuckTales is Disney, but I don't think there's a DuckTales thing. There was like a little jail. It looked like DuckTales characters in my head, in my five-year-old memory. Maybe you're in (laughs) Mickey's Toontown. That's probably it. And there's like a little jail and like we were hanging over there. I remember that as the the light parade went by. And I remember seeing the live action Peter Pan and Captain Hook fight on the boat there in the lake and fireworks and stuff. It was so inspiring. Very cool. Did the Dumbo ride. Pinocchio ride was creepy as a kid. Did did you stay at the Disneyland Hotel when you were there? No, we didn't. We stayed with the family there, but it was still a great time. I went back in like 99 or something. We were there again, but I really don't remember any part of that trip at all. I don't know why. I'm sure I had a great time, but I don't remember that trip. I'm a big Disneyland fan. Chris, have you been? You haven't been to Disneyland, have you? You know, I have not been to Disneyland. I would love to go. I need to go, but uh, I've mostly just been like a Disney World guy. Yeah. Last time I was there, I like got in touch with a friend of a friend who works for Disney to like ask if I could if he could give me a discount. And because I really wanted to stay at the Disneyland Hotel, which is like really oh. expensive. Is it? And oh, it's really expensive. It's like 500 bucks a night for like a, oh simple, for a simple room. <laughs> but it's this it's amazing hotel. And he's like, yeah, I can get you a 40% discount. I was like, that, that sounds amazing. And so we got there and we ended up being, we were on the, I think this is just coincidence. He claimed he didn't do this special, but we ended up at the top floor of the only building that has Whoa. balconies and only has them on the top floor on a co- in a corner room. Dang. We were not overlooking the parks, unfortunately, but we were overlooking the entirety of Anaheim on our like exclusive balcony corner corner room at the what? Disneyland Hotel. It was pretty awesome. Oh. And and the uh, the beds there have uh, this like light up castle Tinker Bell pixie dust <laughs> thing that that plays uh, a dream is a wish your heart makes when you hit a button and it like sparkles. <sighs> Man, it sounds great. like a dream. <laughs> and then you can just walk to Disneyland. It was pretty great. So that is so cool. <laughs> Thanks for making me jealous, man. And they have water slides that are that are shaped like monorails. What? Monorail. Or, or decorated like monorails, yeah. There's one right behind you, Dan. Yeah, there is one, one right behind you on the wall. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> Daniel's at my house because he just moved to a new house and he doesn't have internet, so he's just sitting around the corner for me. <laughs> yeah, we're literally around the corner. We thought we could do like a cell phone hotspot Google Hangout. And I, we're like, nah, this is too important. We have to do this right. <laughs> we're, we're communicating via, via Google Hangout through the wall. From 10 feet away. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear his voice echoing around the corner. It's got to be a little disorienting. Meanwhile, Chris is, what, 20 miles away? Something At like least. That? Across Over the river. Over in St. Chuck. So, Daniel. Daniel, we have all of our guests. Tell us what their top five favorite Disney movies are. So did, did you were you able to gather your list from the giant list of over 50? I was. I was actually surprised how many I had seen when I started counting them up. 
it definitely tails off near the end, but sure. my top five. And give us a little reason for each one. Sure. First one, Peter Pan. Now, is this your number one or your number five? Or they're not ranked? Most favorite or least oh. favorite? Uh, I think I did them. Save your save your favorite for last, unless it's Peter Pan. I think it was Peter Pan. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's Boilers. the one I wrote down first. It's the one that first came to mind. So it's my favorite, I guess. Loved it. It's an action movie. It's got so many clever characters, funny lines. The music's great. It's a classic. I just love it. And who doesn't want to like fly and be Peter Pan? It's it's a great story. Yeah. Captain Hook is so funny. The crocodile. <laughs> love it. Uh, the next one I wrote down was Jungle Book. Uh, again, I really like the, the characters. The songs are so good. Baloo is the best. Can't get better than that. Right. I really like the song from the very end. That like haunting song that the girl Ooh, sings. Yeah, yeah. That How kinda... does that go? Uh, on my own, something like that. My yeah, own home. Yeah, yeah, it's like da 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 da. Yeah. Da 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 da. da. I will like, go yeah. to the village. <laughs> <laughs> From the day that da da da. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a that's something an interesting too. movie, but I, it stuck with me. I like that one a lot. Robin Hood is. I guess we're kind of going chronological too because I read the list down as well. <laughs> Robin Hood is a huge favorite of mine. Just the setting, the characters. Three o'clock and all's well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that has an incredible voice cast. Yes, it does. All around. It's kind of cheesy, I will say. Like, it probably doesn't hold up as well as when I saw it last, which I don't know when that was. No, it but does. It's great. It's really fun. I just love it. It's quirky. And... Then, yeah, so then we jump kind of far ahead to The Rescuers Down Under. Nice. Which oh, wow. I love that one. Just the, the music is so great. The scale of the movie, the animation is amazing. And again, some really funny, like, inside jokes that are, my family still has. Like, that little Frank the Lizard or whatever he is. What do you got? What do you got? Shoelaces. It's <laughs> so, like, stuck his head in the shoe. And he, like, picks the lock with his tail. I don't know. <laughs> Does that qualify for Disney Renaissance? I it's think it's the does. 90s. So, okay. yeah. I was just surprised there was none of those like Renaissancean movies until the I end. I know. I, I've seen like everyone has all the 90s Renaissance, like Little Mermaid, Aladdin. Those are classic, but they just didn't stick with me as much as like Rescuers hold, Down Under. Hold for up. Sure. Rescuers Down Under stuck with you more than Lion King? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, I thought I, I knew you, Hoover. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I just. I don't go around like quoting Lion King or anything, but I, I do. I still have like <laughs> rescuers down under quotes stuck in my head. Like Give those me one are not, quote. Those are not Joanna eggs. Oh. It's like that. It's like that's off limits. It's used best when talking to a pet. Oh, okay. All right, fine. <laughs> was that five or was that just four? That's number four, and okay. then oh. number five is Tarzan. Okay. I love the books, the Tarzan books by Edgar Rice Burroughs. I read all of them. Ah, yeah. Like. There's got to be 12 of them. There's a ton. Nice. And then the movie came out. It was right during that time. Maybe the movie got me into the books or vice versa. I'm not sure. But the animation on that was slick and the music was great. And I just love that story. So that's my top five. Well, that's a good list. It is a good list. I, uh, I, can't, I can't argue with most of those. I love Jungle Book, but I think if I had to alter your list, your list, Dan, <laughs> then I would remove that one and... And just immediately put Lion King in its place, but also Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella because Lisa, my sister, like watched it a million times. So I've yeah. seen, 
I like Cinderella a lot. You know, it gets a lot of hate. It's good story. Because it's like, you know, all about the animals. But yep. <laughs> it's really a fun movie and a good story. So it's all about the animals. Oh, that movie's entirely about the mice and the cat. It's so, it's so I'm strange. kind of rebutting Mike's argument mm. from the only podcast episode that I listened to. So <laughs> <laughs> from months ago. You got an ax to grind here. <laughs> he said some people. He was just referring to Mike Rolfing. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, no, I think David agreed too, actually. Okay, and with that, we'll move on to Treasure Planet. And now, our feature presentation. Coming to theaters November 27th. appears to be some kind of map. This is the moment Jim Hawkins had always dreamed of. Whoa, treasure planet. Now, he's determined to go for it. Treasure Planet is, of course, based on Treasure Island, the book by Robert Louis Stevenson from 1883. I am most familiar with the Treasure Island story from Muppet Treasure Island, which may not be the best, <laughs> the best incarnation yes. of it. Me too. Yes. Um, but uh, we actually talked extensively about extensively about Muppet Treasure Island on our Pocahontas episode randomly. Uh, so I don't need to <laughs> get into it too much, but uh, it's a fantastic movie. I'm sure we'll reference it throughout this. Oh, yeah. So the original Treasure Island really heavily influenced kind of the modern day picture of what pirates are like. It mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. the black spot and the X on a map and schooners and tropical islands and one-legged pirates and parrots on shoulders all those things were basically came from this book Mm -hmm. fast forward way ahead to 1985 from 1883 (laughs) whoa treasure island in space was a concept by buddies ron clements and john musker you've heard those names many times on this show they pitched treasure island in space in the same meeting where they pitched little mermaid in the in the mid-80s uh, mermaid was rejected originally because of its similarities to splash which was that other mermaid movie that disney was putting out the live action one <laughs> yes and they rejected treasure planet or treasure island in space it was called back then because apparently paramount pictures was developing a star trek sequel with a very uh, treasure island vibe to it and uh, they were aware of that and decided to not go up against that the next morning, Jeffrey Katzenberg came back to Clements and Musker and said, actually, I kind of like this Little Mermaid idea. And they began production on that in 1986. Once Mermaid was wrapped, Clements and Musker, they started working on Treasure Planet again. But again, the studio executives expressed their disinterest in this movie. And instead, they were offered uh, Swan Lake, King of the Jungle, and Aladdin. And so they decided to go with Aladdin because they thought the story would suit a uh, fun, fast-paced, more modern style movie than some of the previous ones which it really became that with robin williams and the genie that was released in 92 and aladdin received obviously very positive reviews from critics and became a huge hit it was the first animated movie to pass 200 million dollars domestically and so following their work on aladdin they resumed their work on treasure planet (laughs) (laughs) which was again turned down in 1993 by Katzenberg, who didn't want to set this classic adventure in space for some reason. But a deal was struck with the two directors in Katzenberg that they would create one more movie and then they would approve Treasure Planet and put it in production. So they rejected the concepts of Don Quixote and the Odyssey and Around the World in 80 Days and they ended up settling on Hercules. They took that over from a guy named Joe Hadar who pitched it 
and they worked on Hercules. So now, during the production of Hercules in 95, Clements and Musker signed a seven-year contract deal with the studio, which stipulated that following Hercules, they could produce Treasure Planet. So finally, <laughs> uh, 15 years after they pitched it originally, in the, year two, in the year 2000, they started working on it. So casting of this movie, Dr. Doppler was a combination of two characters from the book, Squire Trelawney and David Li- Dr. Sorry, and Dr. Livesey, who are both in Muppet Treasure Island, I believe. They are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. That's played by Fozzie Bear and... Beaker and yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bun- Bunsen and Beaker. The big boy wet thing. That's Fozzie's got the person in it, the man in his fingers. Mr. Bimbo. Yeah, Mr. Bimbo. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so they combine those two characters to create a character named Doctor Doppler, and they cast David Hyde Pierce in that role. They actually wrote the role with him in mind, and he ended up reading the script and accepting it, which is uh, lucky for them. Wow. Same with the captain, Captain Amelia. They had written that with Emma Thompson in mind, and she same thing kind of happened there, and she joined the cast. Jim Hawkins, they did not write Jim Hawkins with anyone specific in mind. Joseph Gordon-Levitt went through a typical audition process and ended up getting the role. And that does, it does not sound like him at all. No. No, I was surprised. I would never know that was him. I was, I was too. I was watching the movie, and I had IMDb open next to me. Yeah. And I looked over, I was like, who is Jim? And then when I read Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I was like... I had to pause and I was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, really? yeah. He, he must. He was like 18 or 19 at the time. He sounds so, young. Sounds yeah. pretty young. Long John Silver is played by Brian Murray, who I looked him up. He didn't have many credits. He's done a lot of theater, not a lot of film. He's in the American Theater Hall of Fame. So Really? Theatrical guy who could do a good pirate voice. Well, he did a great job. Yeah, he did. Yep. I enjoyed his acting. And then the, the character of Ben the Robot is played by Martin Short, famous comedian, actor. And that character is based on uh, Ben Gunn character from Treasure Island. Is there a Ben Gunn character in Muppet Treasure Island? Uh, yeah, Miss Piggy, Benjamina oh. Gunn. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. Boom, shakalaka. Boom, shakalaka. Boom, shakalaka. Boom. <laughs> Man. And then lastly, the uh, narrator who began the movie was played by Chris. Ah, uh, Tony J. I love yes. it. Oh Tony J gosh. does the voice of Frollo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm. And he's also one of the, he's a brief character in, in Beauty and the Beast. He is. Wait, should we, should we see if, uh, if Daniel if knows? Dan knows who he is? Do yeah. you know, can you, based on what those clues we just gave you by what this guy sounds like, what character did he play in Beauty and the Beast? Man, I have no idea. Oh, man. Uh, you said a minor character? Yes. He's, yeah, he's very minor. Small. <laughs> I have no idea. He's the... The dad? S- s- no. <laughs> like Darth Maul in Solo Minor. <laughs> oh. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> He's the uh, the sanitarium, sanatorium, like the crazy house guy who's going to take away Belle's dad oh. for money. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gaston and LeFou meet with him very briefly, uh-huh. and they give him like a bag of money. He's like, you want me to lock up, a, pretend like a guy's crazy and lock him up? Perfect. He's like, that's evil. I yeah, love I it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Moving on, <laughs> the production began in this movie, and they settled on the look of the film. They, they gave it a 70-30 rule is what it said. So 70% they wanted things to feel like traditional, like period, but 30% they wanted to be sci-fi. So this really Ooh. interesting mix of pirates and and technology 
that was sort of their guideline going into the des- into the design of this movie. They took their deep canvas technology, which I yes. we talked about in the Tarzan episode, this which was this software they created where they could hand paint onto 3D objects to make them look they're like they're hand drawn. They did that a lot in Tarzan to make the jungle backgrounds and more 3D. So they took this software that they had created and they evolved it into something new called virtual sets where they could actually build an entire 360 set in a computer and then fly the cameras around it, which we get a lot of in this movie. There's some really dynamic shots. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even more dynamic than, than in Tarzan. They combined this technology with traditionally drawn characters to create a kind of a painted image with, with more depth perception than they've ever had before. In order to test out some of the CG, especially on Long John Silver's bionic arm he has, they actually took a clip from Peter Pan of Captain Hook and they uh, replaced one of his arms with a robot arm to test out to see if they could do it. And you <laughs> can actually, if you go on there. YouTube, if you go on YouTube and search Treasure Planet behind the scenes, there's one clip that's called like Roy Disney hosts something about Treasure Planet and they actually show that in it, which is kind of, which is kind of fun. I got to look see, that up later. You can see Captain Hook with a robot arm. The music of this movie was composed by James Newton Howard. His first yes. Disney his first Disney film, I believe, was Dinosaur. Yes. And then he did Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And the score in Treasure Planet is pretty great. He did a really good job. Oh, it really is. So good. Do you want to know a fun fact about that, by the way? Yeah, Unless go you're for about it. to say it. So at first, Alan Silvestri was going to do the score for this film, but he uh, he dropped out to actually work on Lilo and Stitch. Which is funny because like it's all happening at the same time, so he dropped out to work on Lilo and Stitch, but then it all passed to James Newton Howard, and this guy only had like five months to completely score and record everything. Wow, which is a very similar situation that James Newton Howard would find himself in in two thousand four, late two thousand four, before King Kong was released in the theaters. Howard Shore bailed. Yeah, Howard Shore bailed on creative differences, and then they pulled in James Newton Howard, apparently the film score fixer. (laughs) (laughs) And he got everything done in like a month or two, maybe. It was crazy. It's so hard to believe, after all the work they did together on Lord of the Rings, that Howard Shore and Peter Jackson could have creative differences. How is this possible? And then they worked together again on Hobbit, which those scores are not very memorable. But. Yeah, that's true. Well, there is some leaked score from King Kong that Howard had been working on, and admittedly, it's pretty darn stock sounding. It's it's really not very interesting or compelling. So, well, I've really enjoyed James Newton Howard's work on these Disney films. They, they it really oh, yeah. adds a lot to them. Holy cow! And Atlantis. Yeah. Holy smoke, man! That's Was it good? I've never powerful. seen Atlantis. It's real good. Powerful. You need to listen to our episode from when was that? Or, or just watch the movie. <laughs> you know, yeah. Or just or just listen to the soundtrack, man. <laughs> Did you guys like Atlantis? Was that good? I loved it. I oh, loved yeah. it. I've, I've never seen it. Got a very soft spot for that movie. There was no singing in this movie, but there were two original songs by John Resnick of the Goo Goo Dolls, which was that really, really caught me off guard. Gosh, it was really weird. Hard. That was more jarring than the Phil Collins ones in Tarzan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, the Phil Collins thing at least was kind of throughout and kind of helped set a certain tone. Sure. This just kind of came out of nowhere in the middle, like, or maybe the early third of it, like montage coming of age. 
alternative rock like what <laughs> i want a question blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so edgy i was like get this out of my pirate space film what is this <laughs> yeah no i agree with you daniel yeah at least whether you like the phil collins how phil collins works in tarzan or not at the very least it, it is consistent <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly <laughs> Yeah, and this was out of nowhere. Yeah, we had I'm Still Here and Always Know Where You Are were the two songs by John Rzeznik. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one. Like to buy a vowel. Treasure Planet had promotions with McDonald's, Pepsi, Dryers, and Kellogg's upon its release. Uh, Dryers created new flavors called Galactic Chocolate and Vanilla Treasure. (laughs) Good grief. (laughs) To help promote this movie, there were pictures of the characters on cereal boxes and, of course, toys in McDonald's Happy Meals. And back then, they had the Mighty Kids Meal. Remember the Mighty Kids Meal? No. Yes, I do remember those. You got six chicken nuggets instead of four because you were mighty. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Like for, like, the tweens. (laughs) Just get off the dollar menu. I don't they didn't have the dollar menu back then, did they? Is that like right? It's a newer thing. I don't know. I'm not that well versed on McDonald's, but I do. I do. I do remember the toys, and you get the the guy on his surfboard. <laughs> and uh, Hasbro also released a line of action figures for this movie. The world premiere was at the Cinerama Dome in Hollywood on November 17, 2002. This was also the first major studio feature to be released simultaneously on in regular screens and in IMAX. Yeah. Hmm. So we talked about Fantasia 2000 back in 2000 was the first animated feature film to be released to be released in IMAX. And now this is the first one to be released at the same time. Uh, I guess Fantasia released it in IMAX before they released it regular. Whatever. We're just getting into the nitty gritty here. Right. Its release date to the public was November 27th, 2002. It made 12 million over its opening weekend. It was fourth behind Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets. Die Another Day. Woo. <laughs> Die Another Day. <laughs> We talked oh about boy. that one for a while, and the Santa Claus too. So the Disney was Disney was competing against itself there. I remember seeing a Die Another Day in theaters when it came out. I did not. Did you really? I did not see Treasure Planet. I think that was the first Bond movie I saw in theaters. Same with me. I remember where I saw it and who I saw it with. I it's a memorable experience. Think I do too. So wow. take that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only a James Bond fan because of Mike. Honestly, like <laughs> this is the guy that would like sit next to me in high school and like make James Bond quizzes. Of like <laughs> trivia of like <laughs> the most random stuff that I didn't even know, but then I would know it and then I would get it right the next time you'd ask it on the next trivia question. I know I know a lot about James Bond. This is true. You could do a whole James Bond podcast. There's already one that's oh. way better than I would ever do called James Bonding. So check that one out. And James I will, Bonding. I will, I, will, I, will, I will refrain from doing it myself because I will never be as good as those guys. Nice. Have you watched Die Another Day recently? I don't Either think so. No, probably not for 10 years or so. It's real bad. It's not good. I remember. <laughs> oh, no. I remember it not being very good. The worst part about it is that surfing CG shot of him like riding that tidal wave of Icarus and he's it's got the so like, bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're in like Greenland or something and on this glacier and then they set off this giant laser that starts melting the glacier immediately and then he turns the parachute from his like race car sled vehicle into a windsurfing sail and he like it's so terribly cg'd (laughs) it's cg and then it cuts to like a close-up of pierce brosnan on like the worst green screen you've ever seen like pulling on these ropes (laughs) like oh i'm gonna make it off this 300 foot wave oh 
awful. It's worse than the old Sean Connery sitting in front of a project a projector screen driving a car. Yeah, it's like oh. worse than that. I will say that the ice chase with the spikes on the tires and stuff that was cool. An ice oh, castle. There's Very some great cool. scenes, and like even the worst Bond movie is better than a lot of other movies. You know, like I still love them all. <laughs> But <laughs> we just and, turned this into the James Bond podcast. <laughs> and then the hovercraft chase of the, with the, in the open is great. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. But then there's it's all about like DNA therapy. And yeah. like yeah. The, the Korean guy turns himself into a British guy using like it's so bad. <laughs> it's really bad. And he doesn't <laughs> sleep for some reason. And at the end, he's got that giant like uh, exoskeleton suit. Yeah. Like up in an airplane. Yeah, I don't no, know. It's a, okay. Isn't it a blimp? Or is it? No, it is an airplane. No, they're you're in right. an airplane. They're like a yeah. giant like cargo plane. That's right. You're actually making me want to watch this movie. And they're like fencing half the oh, movie. Oh, I would love to watch. Yeah, well, there's a sword fight scene with Madonna. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that movie all the way through, so I'd be curious to check it out. And and Halle Berry's in it. She and is? They have they have that just awful scene where she walks out of the water. You know, it's like the classic girl in the bikini walking out of the water. And he's like spying at her on her at her with binoculars. Oh and, yeah. And he's undercover as an ornithologist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they do this whole like terrible innuendo dialogue scene about looking at birds and it's it's really bad. Sounds really great. Though I will say, Ian Fleming did get the name of James Bond from a book about birds. So James Bond was an ornithologist. No kidding. See, I was just about to ask Mike, like, what's your favorite random piece of James Bond trivia that would be on one of these quizzes? That you would give me and that would that would totally be one of them the birds of the west indies is the name of the book oh my gosh written by james bond and ian fleming had that book at his jamaican house which was called goldeneye no way and he that's where he got the name james bond from so what were we talking about treasure planet uh, uh fun <laughs> facts you were taking us to the fun facts so treasure planet ended up grossing 38 million domestically which Oh no! And, and, and just a hundred nine worldwide on its oh, a no. on its a hundred forty million dollar budget. No! So it is a huge, it was a huge bomb. Well, I didn't see it, so I didn't help. Ditto. I was seeing Halle Berry instead. <laughs> yeah, we were in the other theater. <laughs> <laughs> what was her name in that movie? Jinx. Jinx. That was her. Yeah. Name. In twenty fourteen, the Los Angeles Times created a list of the most expensive box office flops of all time. And this was on that list. Yikes. Along with the likes of John Carter, yep. Battlefield Earth, Howard the yep. Duck, Speed Racer, The Alamo, Cowboys and Aliens, and uh, and Gigli to top that one off. So Treasure Planet is in the in, in good company. How I mean, sad. <laughs> I could see why it was so expensive for the time, like the animation technology that they're using. Yeah. It's, it was pretty wild watching it. Yeah. I mean, the exactly like... Uh, Mike, you mentioned, I almost called you John. (laughs) What? Like Mike was saying earlier, how they had the, what was that called? Deep canvas animation. Yeah. There's also flat rendered CGI and hand drawn. Sometimes all three of those different animations were on screen at the same time. Nowadays, like, oh, well, whatever. Sure. But in 2002, that's unheard of. It was crazy. There are some moments where it worked. I'm like, that's actually kind of cool. Like the uh, oh yeah, the scene where it goes out the window towards the moon. Yeah, but then it's like not the moon. It's the <laughs> spaceport. That's yeah. no. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> Montressa. Like, was that like a subtle Star Wars thing? You think by the guys like that's no moon. It's a space station. <laughs> it might have been, dude. I don't know. It's too big to be a space station. Yeah. I just imagine directors like looking up at the moon one day when it's all little little crescent. They're like. What if that was like a spaceport? <laughs> yeah. And then this idea probably birthed from there. Yeah. It also reminded me of uh, 
What's that Matt Damon, Neil Blomkamp movie? Elysium? Elysium. Elysium. Yeah, it was a lot like that, yeah. Although when that shot gets closer to the spaceport, it really looks bad. It looks yeah, so bad. it gets a lot less impressive. You're like, oh, wait. I'm like, is this like a GameCube game? Like, what? Yeah. Ooh, back up. It's a cutscene. We got yeah, this is Skip. Skip. <laughs> it also reminded me of uh, Valerian City of a Thousand Planets. Have either, either, either of you seen that movie? No. no, I haven't. Should I? I actually highly recommend it. What? It got terrible reviews. And the acting is awful, but the visuals in that movie are some of the coolest things I've ever seen. All right, fine. You want like cool sci-fi moon spaceports? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Find a Blu-ray copy of Valerian and just like let it wash over you. Ignore the plot. <laughs> All right. It's really good. I and I love that. I really like Luke Passan. He's just a weird director. Fifth Element, man. Yeah, and so I just like appreciate his insanity because I can never, <laughs> I can never come up with things that he's come up with. You know, his insanity, indeed. Check out Valerian. Uh, any other fun facts on this one? Yeah, well, I'm almost done. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, so this got pretty decent reviews. I mean, like a 60, 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, not great, but not terrible. But it, again, it was a complete flop. It was nominated for Best Animated Feature that year at the Oscars. It was up against... Was it really? Uh, it was up against Ice Age, Lilo and Stitch, Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron. And it lost to... They all lost to Spirited Away, the Miyazaki movie. Oh, yeah. Which we mentioned that last week in Lilo and Stitch, because Lilo and Stitch was also nominated. Two Disney movies going up against each other, and they both lost. Um, that's all I've got. Chris, anything else to contribute before we start talking more about this movie? Uh, I just just have a few things here. First of all, the ship, the RLS Legacy. Uh -huh, Robert Louis Stevenson. That's right. Which at first I was like, how dare you rename it from the Hispaniola? But then I was like, I guess that, that does make sense. And it's kind of a cool callback, so very well. Is it the Hispaniola in Muppet Treasure Island? It is. Well, it's so faithful, man. But then the, the, this movie, they got rid of Smollett, the captain. Yeah, they did. And it's called her Amelia. Which is, which is what Kermit the Frog was, which was perfect. <laughs> the small frog. <laughs> right. Which I think, isn't Smollett the name of the, the in captain the in the book too? Yeah, yeah, in the book. Yeah. They kept Mr. Arrow though, so that was good. <laughs> Also, let's see here. Did you know there was a sequel that was planned for this movie? I did not until I read it on the internet today. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Apparently, it would have been about like Jim and like this love interest who was a classmate at the Royal Interstellar Academy having to team up with Long John Silver to stop the villainous Ironbeard from freeing <laughs> inmates from some prison on an asteroid. I don't know. I guess Will Willem Dafoe was set to voice Ironbeard, though, so that's that's pretty sweet. That was right around the time of Green Goblin, I, I, I think. It was, it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Willem Dafoe was hot. So, <laughs> it's it didn't, it's when the that's, box office failure, it just... It's probably the only time anyone's ever said Willem Dafoe was hot. <laughs> <laughs> and not terrifying. He's striking. He's striking. He yep. is striking. Strong presence. Well, that's all I got. All right, cool. So, Daniel... We've talked about it a little bit, but what was your history with this movie? Had you seen it or is this your first time? Completely went in blind for this. I had what? never seen it. I barely remember it being in theaters or any advertising. I mean, this is high school for me when this came out. For us, I really don't remember being interested in it or like much of anything. So when Mike said, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? I said, sure. What are we on? Treasure Planet. I'm like, 
uh, <laughs> sure. I've never seen it. He's like, cool. That's no problem. That's perfect. So completely went in blind. I don't think I even really thought of too much about what it would be about. You know, the name is Treasure Planet. And it wasn't until like right before I was going to watch it. I'm like, I wonder if this has anything to do with Treasure Island. <laughs> Are you serious? And I had no idea. I didn't what? read anything. I didn't look at IMDb. I didn't. I just wanted to just watch it. This is David levels of ignorance. <laughs> this is incredible. No idea. I believe so my ears right now. It gets worse though, because as I'm watching it, I guess I'm not as familiar with Treasure Island as I thought I was. And it took me a minute to be like, oh, that's yeah. Like Long John Silver. Okay. That's the guy. Yep. Okay. This is Treasure Island in space. I'm getting it. But I forgot like the whole plot. And so <laughs> preparing for the podcast, I read the Wikipedia of actual Treasure Island, like the book. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, this it's whole the thing, thing, it's the exact same thing. <laughs> Every little detail is like, so it's faithful. the Benbow Inn. And he hides in like an apple barrel to overhear the pirates. And like every part of it. Oh, the the guy that he kills by letting him, like they, they have a fight in the shrouds at the top of the ship up by the sails. And like, yep. that's they, like all of it was there. I was so shocked that it was so faithful to it while completely like reimagining mm-hmm. the whole setting. So that was pretty interesting. I, yeah, I guess I just wasn't as familiar with Treasure Island. I've seen the Muppet one, but probably like once, I guess. I <laughs> cabin Fever. I, <sighs> yeah, Cabin Fever. I remember that. <laughs> A professional I, pirate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, what is your history with Treasure Planet? Before I answer that question, I'm going to give you a second to guess who did the soundtrack from Muppet Treasure Island. Hans Zimmer. Oh my gosh, yes. Did I nail it? Oh man, <laughs> that did. was just... That was just like, well, he's done Pirates Pirates of the Caribbean, so Pirates of the Treasure Island. Okay. Anyway, I'm really proud of you, Mike. Bravo. Thank you. So do you guys remember the Country Bears movie? Yes. It's horrible. It's terrible nightmare fuel movie. It's awful. <laughs> I went and saw that for a friend's birthday one time years ago back in 2002 and i'll never forget walking into the movie we were a little late we're walking in the movie during the trailers and then i look up on the screen as i'm walking in and i see it's if you remember the trailer for this movie it's basically just moving in on the it's like that that oh that shot of going in on the spaceport and there's ships flying around Mm -hmm. and i was like what the heck is this and I watched that trailer. It's like, wow, that looks really cool. And then I never thought about it again for like five or so years, maybe <laughs> maybe like ten years later. <laughs> and I always thought, I was like, I wonder what that movie was because I was I was pretty young. I mean, not like too young, but I was young enough to I didn't like press those curiosities very far. I didn't have the internet. I couldn't just go search for it. I was just just curious. So I eventually I saw this movie later on down the road. Probably like eight years ago-ish. And I loved it. I loved it a lot. Especially the music. I just adored the movie. And then uh, I've watched it again in more recent years. And I love it less. Mm. (laughs) 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 All right. We'll let that be. I don't think I had seen this. Pretty sure I hadn't seen this. It's it's definitely on David's top ten, if not top five list. For it real? is? At least initially. So he certainly watched it. Well, wow. he's more the right age for it. Yeah, he is the right age for it. 
I knew it was about Treasure Island. I didn't know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, just because I'm just familiar in general with this list and kind of what each movie is. But yeah, not not familiar. The only the only line that stuck out of me because it was in a trailer was the when Ben goes, lost my mind, lost my mind. Yeah, lost my mind. That must have been in a trailer or in some like montage of Disney clips that played somewhere. That was the only thing that rang a bell in this entire movie. Okay, Daniel, now that you've watched this, hmm. what's sort of your overarching reaction? What do you think of, of Treasure Planet? I liked parts of it a lot, but it wasn't enough parts that I liked <laughs> overall. <laughs> like, first of all, I love like that kind of setting, that 1800s naval ships kind of warfare oh, ex- yeah. exploration. The sci-fi was a cool twist to it that I wasn't really you know, expecting. I had no idea what to expect with this movie. So to see like old, you know, tall ships with the square rigging flying through space with rocket engines, like that's a cool idea. It really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the art was really colorful and it had like a different, it's definitely sci-fi, but it had like a, a warmth to it that I wasn't expecting from just a space movie. But uh, there were so many parts that were just, they just dragged. Some of the characters were not very good. <laughs> I, I did not like the professor doctor guy and the captain. I thought that whole like side thing was forced and cheesy. You don't like them or just their dynamic? They were definitely stereotypical types of characters. Yeah. Yeah. They just didn't work for me. I will say that Jim and John Long John Silver, like those characters were really well done. Yeah. Because again, I'm still like as I'm watching this and trying to predict like what's going to happen I was not sure, like, is Long John Silver going to be a good guy, bad guy? Like, whose side is he playing? Like, they actually did a fairly good job, like, balancing his evil pirate side, greedy pirate side towards the way he warms up to Jim and brings him as almost like a surrogate son, you know, adopted son. So, I thought they handled those two characters really well. And the other ones just fell kind of flat for me. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, your overarching reaction? It struck a chord with me what you just said, Daniel, about how I liked some stuff a lot. Like, I just, I loved it. Would you call this steampunk? Yes. I was shocked by how steampunk it was. Me too. Just seeing the trailer alone and some of the promotional material for this film, it caused me, because I used to sketch around a lot, you know, I was a doodler when I was younger. So, it, it kind of caused me to start drawing like flying taller rigging ships like you were saying and it's like and i love that that whole thing i love that culture i love the old age of discovery you know tall ships and sails and cannons and tri-cornered hats (laughs) (laughs) i love it so i'm I'm a sucker for that aspect and then just introducing it into a sci-fi setting is so fascinating to me so anything that had to do with that i loved Uh, a lot a lot of great acting some really rough pacing. Yeah. I was very mixed emotions. I'm like, wow, I love this element. I love that element. And then something would happen. I'd be like, oh, I didn't love that. Mixed emotions. How about you, Mike? So I tried to watch this movie yesterday. I got through about a half hour and then I, <laughs> and then I woke up and it was ending. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. Now, I don't necessarily blame the movie. I was pretty tired and I get up at like 530 now because of my job and my child. So... 
it wasn't necessarily the movie's fault, but so I rewatched it again today <laughs> while preparing for this, while sort of going through the history and watching it out of the corner of my eye, but then watching the parts I hadn't seen before. So I, as you guys both said, I really did enjoy the design and the look and feel of this movie. I found the whole like variety of aliens to be a little jarring. Yeah, oh, I love like, that. There's, like there's no like explanation for it. I don't need it. <laughs> I guess they like at the very beginning you get you get the term Ethereum. Yeah. In that children in that book the kids reading. Uh huh. But then after that, there's like no there's absolutely it no just reason drops why you like, into like this alien space world. I was like, right. whoa, this is what we're doing. Okay. Yeah, I guess. But there's like no reason why why Dr. Doodle is a dog or whatever. Dr. Doppler. <laughs> whatever his name <laughs> Dr. is. Doodle. I think he, he's like a he's yeah, he's like a dog. He is but like why? a dog. You're right. Well the captain's a cat. Right. Just, that's just, their species, just man. Is. And I Do guess you question in Star Wars? I guess I'm contradicting myself because I didn't mention this at all during Lilo and Stitch, and it's the same situation. <laughs> yeah. But Lilo and Stitch is more cartoony, and so I feel like they could get away with it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. This was a little odd. And also, this is very reminiscent of Atlantis, and Atlantis was very grounded, as grounded as it could be. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. And this is just like, all right, we'll just throw anything we want in there. And then there's this jelly dude that can turn himself into anything he wants. And like, there's just like no, yeah. there's no Morph. rules to the, there's no rules to the world, which bugged me a little bit. I would say I, I generally enjoyed it. I think there were some really fun action scenes. Yeah. I thought Jim and Long John Silver were good. Um, as we've discussed, I was very familiar with the story. And so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it's not going to make my top 10, but, and, but I think I generally enjoyed it and the music was great as we said oh yeah how about some more observations Just go for it guys i thought the best parts of the movie were when they were actually sailing when they would take off yeah unfurl the sails the solar sails would fill up with energy and like the engines would start going and they just take off. And that was the coolest part. Like even the very beginning with the solar surfboard thing. Really cool. That really showcased the 3D, 2D mix. I thought really well. Absolutely. That was the highlight for me. What do you guys think about the uh, tortoise lizard monster, Billy Bones? What about him? <laughs> I don't <laughs> like him. Right <laughs> okay. Well, Okay. All right. Reading after reading the book and being familiar not only with the older incarnations of the film, but also you know like the Muppet Treasure Island, which has obviously been very true to it. Billy Bones' character has a little bit more impact than he does in this movie. He's so brief. He's there and then he's dead. Yeah. No black spot. Oh, that's no true. No raving. Nothing. He's just dead. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of these Disney movies for you. They tend to fly through plot pretty quick. Yeah, it's like you blink and you'll miss it. I was waiting for some sort of battle. Like, they never fight anybody. They basically get on the board and go straight to the treasure planet. What did we think of the CG, 2D, 1.5D combination of the animation? Does it, does it still hold up? I was surprised at how well the 2D part held up. That was my favorite part. Especially considering that, like, I think what people viewed it as its weakness was that it was still relying on 2D animation when the trend was Pixar, 3D, Shrek, Shrek. Uh huh. Everybody's going 3D, and this has still some 2D elements. And now, like all these years later, the 3D looks garbage in a lot of it, and yeah. the 2D is actually really good still. I agree. 
uh, Long John Silver was animated by Glenn Keane, who we've talked a lot about on this show. Just mm-hmm. They still have just these amazing guys there. I wish they still did this stuff. It's so good. Me too. Oh, man. <laughs> it's so good. This, watching this today, it like spurred on this deep, deep longing. I'm like, how I wish we were looking forward to another 2D animation out of Disney. It would just be so wonderful. I would be so happy. But no, everything's got to be 3D. Was this one of the last ones they did with any 2D in it? We still have Brother Bear and Home on the Range, but then we get then oh, we hit good luck. Then we hit then we hit Chicken Little, and it's it's downhill from there. <laughs> oh boo! As far as animation goes, yeah, I mean, as and as good as like the 3D has gotten with like Tangled and Frozen, although I didn't really oh, they're like beautiful. I didn't yeah. really like Frozen's visuals as much, but there's something about the 2D look that we've lost, and even though this like kind of has. <laughs> it kind of has a crutch of the 3D aspect of it. It's still really, yeah, like you said, Long John Silver is just great as yeah. a character. I mean, don't get me wrong, Moana is stunning. Toy Story 4, when they go to that carnival, like it looks real. It does. It's it's amazing, but it's different. You can't really compare the two. And I find yeah. I find these these older Disney movies to be just as beautiful as Toy Story 4 at the carnival. Absolutely. It's just different. Hey, not to go too off topic here, but... I'm going to go off topic here (laughs) since we're running low on time. The launch sequence in this movie is one of my favorite sequences in any Disney movie. I love it. Gives me chills every single time. And if you can, Mike, I would put in a little soundbite of that cue by James Newton Howard because it is just the most rousing and inspiring thing. I thought the music did a lot for this movie. So much. It's a whole character. It really is. Um, just a couple of random things I noticed. There was the one alien that goes up in the crow's nest with like the eight eyes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he talked just like uh, her, her Valich, Valichez. The uh, plane, the plane from oh. Fantasy Island. Oh, is yeah. that what that was going for? Strike her colors, Mr. Onus. Me pleasure, Captain. And or Nick Knack from The Man with the Golden Gun going back to James Bond. Wow. <laughs> it, was a, it was a reference <laughs> to that, which was kind of deep cut but dang that is a deep cut that's an intentional reference it had to have been also there was a i guess a nod to fantasia 2000 in this movie there was the flying there's the flying whale creatures oh, at the yeah. beginning, which was very similar to the pines of rome segment in fantasia 2000 right. and then uh there was i noticed a line where one of them said we're gonna need a bigger boat which is a little jaws reference <laughs> yes and i thought the uh the windows in jim's mom's house were pretty sweet that was really cool <laughs> that was a cool that was a cool piece of tech i yeah. love that and the ending was very reminiscent of a death star trench run they were definitely inspired by star wars oh no doubt and the, the end where where jim's on his surfboard and the big ships flying behind you're all clear kid now let's blow this thing and go home yeah complete with explosion so it scratched a lot of itches you know like had the ships it had the rockets it had you know it was like perfect it's almost like they focus grouped like all the perfect things yeah i was i was 10 years old when this movie came out i I just did the math and it was it was like tailor-made for me so i don't know why i wasn't all over this film when it came out i am why it failed (laughs) 
<laughs> it's on me. All right, and with that, we'll start wrapping this up. Daniel, it is the duty of our guests to come up with a rating system specific to the movie we're talking about. So, oh, yeah. what should we rate Treasure Planet out of? Um, five, uh, like out of five space whales. We're settling. We're settling on five space whales. <laughs> All right, so Daniel, you're our guest. What would you rate Treasure Planet out of five space whales? And, and decimal points are allowed if you need them. Probably a, a three. Like, worth watching, but not going to crack any top tens for me. Chris, out of five space whales, what do you give Treasure Planet? I think I'll give it 3.5 space whales. Final thoughts? I mean, it is it is definitely worth a watch. All the different animation and how it is so dynamic. Sometimes it, no, it doesn't look great, but it's worth... It's worth the ride. Such an interesting film that I just can't help but recommend it to anybody. And I'm I'm such a sucker for those, like how it ended. You know, it's so cheesy. Like, it's such a happy <laughs> ending. Like, he's yeah. in the Academy and they got the whole thing back and it's great. It's yeah, so they should be singing. They should be singing Yub Nub together. Basically. And like, I gotta say, I, I, I'm tempted to give it a four out of five, but that's probably just because I'm fresh off watching it. I think it's more like a 3.5 for me. You? Out of five space whales, I think I'll settle in at three as well. Like, this was enjoyable. I, they definitely swung for the fences. Man, they did. Despite sticking with the exact same plot as the book. Yeah. You know, the, the weird aliens are hit or miss. Some of the characters are hit or miss. Some of the decisions are hit or miss. But generally, like, I could see loving this as a eight-year-old boy, as David did. <laughs> right. And uh, in the middle of the pack. So with that, Daniel Hoover, you finally made it on Disney One by One. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. And Chris Lair, thank you for filling in the David Rolfing slot. Uh, as you are in the David Rolfing slot, you have to end this with a quote. Uh, all right. Hang on. I got it. <laughs> okay. It's whenever whenever uh, they're trying to escape from the ship. And she asks, he shoots that one thing, that one chandelier. She goes, did you actually aim for that? And he said... You know, I actually did. That was Doppler. Perfect. And remember, you can find us everywhere on the internet at Disney 1X1. And please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We will read it and we will read it here on the show. So with that, we'll be back next week with Brother Bear. I have never seen this. Have you guys seen Brother Bear? Oh, yeah. Nope. I know it has a dramatic aspect ratio change, so I'm sure we'll talk all about that. Yeah, man. I can't <laughs> wait to hear what the heck you guys talk about with that film. Cause... And uh, we'll see you then. Goodbye. Oh, bye, guys. See ya. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. Daniel, I don't know, I don't know how, many, how many of these you've listened to, but I can talk us through the format as we go and just cut that stuff out. Okay. I also have like either a really terrible canker sore in the back of my mouth or developing a sore throat. So see how well I talk. <clears throat> when do you not have a canker sore? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Ouch, man. I feel you.